and welcome to episode two of soccer foot and football really happy to be here with you all for episode two it took a little bit longer than i originally wanted to get ready and record this episode but here we are now ready for episode two so thank you all for being here today we just got a couple things on the table uh first thing we're going to do and the main focus is going to be a french league one review we're going to talk about what's been going on in the french league and what to expect for the rest of the season. Then I'm just going to quickly address some of the news and some of the games from last weekend, and that's pretty much going to be it for today's episode, trying to make it a little bit shorter than episode one, because I think it was a little long. Uh, But yeah, without further ado, let's go straight into part one and talk about some French League One soccer. And welcome to part one. So like I just said, part one is going to be talking about French League One soccer or le foot as they say in France. Hence why this podcast is called Soccer, Foot and Football. Starting to make sense, I'm guessing. Uh, Now before we start talking about the league table and going through the teams, uh, I want to talk about the league as a whole. So often League One is criticized for being a bit boring. Uh, for not having as good players, for uh, being the PSG PSG always winning, and for just not being as interesting as, say, the BPL or even um, the Spanish Liga Bibivea or or other leagues of that sort. But actually, I found an interesting stat today that said that 503 goals were scored in League One this season so far, and there have only been 20 games per team. So that's an average of 2.5 goals per game. And in the EPL this season, for comparison, there's been there have been 2.76 goals per game. So that is a little bit higher, but I think um, people generally believe that that difference is a lot more and that the English Premier League is a, has a lot more goals, but really 0.25 more goals per game is not that much when you think about it. Furthermore, uh, in terms of PSG always beating everybody else and being at the top of the table, well... It's less so the case this year. There's only eight points separating PSG from second place Marseille. And that's nothing, especially when you compare it to to Liverpool's advantage in the Premier League. And there are only 10 points between second all the way down to fifth. So really, League One is having an interesting year this year, in my opinion, in terms of really being competitive, um, having a little bit more goals scored than they have in the past, and and having some high-quality games. So obviously those high quality games do in fact start with PSG. They are in first place with 49 points out of a possible 60. So they have 16 wins, one draw, and three losses in 20 games. So they have lost three, which is more than uh, they would like, I'm sure. And they have some some interesting losses, to to say the least. Um, They lost in week two against Rennes, two to one, which is not a bad result I mean away from home to the place to the to the team that's uh, currently in uh, third is not bad but they did lose at home against uh, Reims 0-2 which was a big surprise and also lost 2-1 at Dijon which are two teams that are are somewhat struggling this year especially Dijon Um, so so some surprises there for for PSG but they're still in first place. Um, they step up when they need to in League One. 
I mean, their, one of the most impressive performances this season was against Marseille, currently second. They beat them 4-0 uh, in Paris, but they were up 4-0 at halftime against the second-place team. So they, they clearly took their foot off the gas. I was actually at the game in Paris, um, and PSG was just miles ahead of Marseille, even though it was first versus second, um, or currently first and second. Um, PSG was, was just miles ahead. Kylian Mbappe was just too fast. Marseille could not hold him down, and, and they really showed their level there. But uh, they've had some difficulties showing consistency this season a little bit more than than in the past. Um, their one tie is against Monaco, which is not a bad result. It is a very recent result, and Monaco has been playing well lately, so nothing to be ashamed of there. They do have 50 goals for this season, PSG do making them the best attack in League One, which is not a surprise. But they actually do not have the best defense in League One. Many people uh, would expect them to have the best attack and the best defense in terms of goals conceded. They've only conceded 14 goals out of 20 games. But the best defense in the league is actually Reims, who who beat PSG in Paris. And Reims has only conceded 13 in 20 games. So... uh, I mean, clearly nothing to be ashamed of in terms of uh, goals scored and goals against, but uh, and points either. But they they could be wanting a little bit more. Uh, I think part of the reason why they uh, maybe aren't doing as well as they would like, even though they're first again, is that they're kind of experimenting a little bit more in League One. Uh, specifically, I'm talking about the four attacker system they're kind of experimenting with at the moment. They have, obviously, uh, Mbappe and Neymar and Icardi and Di Maria right now are the four that they're trying to play at the same time. So towards the start of the season, there were injuries, there were suspensions, there were this and that, and they really never were all four fit at the same time, ready to go. But recently, they have been. So PSG is kind of experimenting with that system, playing kind of Di Maria and Neymar a little bit deeper, uh, Mbappe playing a little bit off Icardi, but also going on the wings every once in a while to lose his defender. And Icardi obviously playing playing up top. But uh, most recently, they, they tried that system against Monaco. And they actually tied Monaco 3-3 in the, in the first game that they played Monaco in uh, recently. They, they played them twice in the past three weeks, I think, because of uh, a scheduling issue. But anyway, they tied them 3-3. Three to three. Their defense looked very, very fragile. Um, but obviously, they, they managed to put three. Uh, so it was was interesting to see them play that system against an opponent that is more the quality of a, uh, of a Champions League side, I would say, for Monaco. When they turn up, they can really be a, a good team. And then they PSG played that system again against Monaco a couple weeks later and actually beat them 4-1. to one. Uh, looking a lot stronger. Now, it's difficult to say whether or not this is the right system for PSG to use. I mean, when you look at the individual quality, it's hard to figure out who to put on the bench if you are even going to. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Neymar, but he is one of the top uh, probably, we'll say, seven players in the world. Di Maria has the most assists in League One this season with eight. Uh, Icardi has been scoring goals like it's nobody's business. I mean, just finishing chances. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't do anything too flamboyant, but he's always there when you need him. 
And then there's Mbappe, who, in my opinion, is actually better than Neymar in uh, in most respects and will continue to, to improve. So really, it's hard to figure out who you bench. So I think in the in the grand scheme of things, I think in League One it's fine. I think they I think they can play with four attackers. They're gonna outscore their opponent more likely than not, unless it's a Monaco that shows up with Ben Yedder, who can put a couple past you as well. But I think in League One, they shouldn't really have any problems even with that system. But problems can become a reality in the Champions League if they if they play with those four. I don't think I would play all four in the Champions League, especially away from home. Um, but, uh, but it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what PSG do in the Champions League. I'll have a Champions League podcast where I'll be able to talk about it more, but, uh, I think for League One, they can, they can play with those four forwards. So next in the table, we actually have Marseille. Marseille has been having an excellent year, uh, in the grand scheme of things. They have 41 points out of 20 games played. Which is, which is very solid for them. I mean, they finished fifth last year, fourth the year before, fifth the year before that, and they actually haven't been in the top three of League One since the 2012-2013 season, which means they haven't seen the Champions League since 2013-2014. So it's been a long time for Marseille, but so far they are in second place, which is a Champions League spot in France. Um, top three generally are going to be Champions League spots in France. So Marseille, so far they they got a spot, and they uh, as long as they keep keep things going, it it should go well for them. They have 12 wins, five ties, and three losses. So their losses are actually the same number of losses as PSG. Um, but like I explained, they did lose to PSG 4-0. But uh, other than that, they uh, they have some wins against some of the best uh, teams in League One. They beat Rennes and tied them. They've already played them twice this year. They beat Lille, they beat Lyon, they beat Monaco. So some really strong results again against good opposition, but they, they've managed to uh, to pull through. Uh, their, their win against Monaco is actually probably my favorite game of the season in League One so far. Uh, it was 4-3 for Marseille. That was the final score, but Monaco was up 2-0 after 26 minutes. Marseille scored four unanswered goals, before Monaco got one back with 15 minutes left to make the game really suspenseful, um, and uh, and they pushed hard at the end, but Marseille held on. So Marseille only has 30 goals this year, which is a little bit low. Um, PSG do have 50, so so 20 20 more goals than second place. But Marseille is missing Florian Thauvin, which is one of their best creators and goal scorers. He's been injured all season and should be back late January or beginning of February. So we'll see how that impacts the team. All right, and then we're going to we're going to move on to Rennes, who is in third, and this is a very pleasant surprise for Rennes. I mean, they had a very good year last year. They went uh they they won a, a cup in France, but but they're really uh they're really shining bright so far this year. I actually created a a table before the first game of League 1 kicked off this season where I predicted where everyone would finish, and I had Rennes down in seventh, but they're currently in third, uh, and that's just a testimony to how well they've been playing or or the good results they've been getting, because sometimes they, they have been getting good results without playing well. But it also uh, illustrates the fact that teams such as Lyon, Lille, and, and Monaco are, are underperforming. And to go along with that, in fourth place, it's not one of those three I just listed. It's actually not, which is a huge surprise. I mean, they've 
barely invested with no transfers really recently, but they, they keep finding ways to win. I mean, despite scoring only 19 goals um, in 20 games, they have 19 goals in 20 games, but they're fourth with 32 points. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. They, they, they've only conceded 18. So that, that definitely helps. Um, and they, they have seven wins, one to zero, seven wins. I, I, I counted them before the podcast cause, and I double counted them cause I was, uh, I was so surprised to see that, but seven wins, one to zero, and they only have one win by more than one goal, which, which is crazy. I mean, it just, uh, just shows, I guess their mental strength and, and their tenacity to win. But uh, personally, I, I don't see it uh, lasting that long. I did have them 13th uh, in my prediction at the start of the season. I don't think they'll drop that low, uh, but I do see them dropping behind teams such as Lille, Lyon, and Monaco, who I expect will step it up in the second half of the season. Speaking of which, uh, Lille is the next team in our table. A little bit of a step back from last year, but they still... Uh, with the loss of excellent players such as, as Pepe, uh, who went to Arsenal, who's struggling a little bit, but but a quality player. If you had the chance to watch him in League One last year, you know how much he brought to Lille and, and to League One as a whole. But they have a very, very good recruiting system, Lille does. Um, so they, they've managed to pick up the slack a little bit with players such as Osimhen, the Nigerian striker who's already getting looks from huge teams in Europe. And even players such as uh, Renato Sanchez, who uh, was a huge prospect a couple years ago. Everybody was talking about him. Had a little bit of a couple years where he didn't perform quite on par with expectations. And Lil picked him up, and he's, he's starting to play really well for them. Struggled at the beginning, um, but is, is starting to pick it up. So they, But despite that, Lil is um, a very young team and uh, very inconsistent, especially away from home. They actually have zero losses at home this year. They have eight wins, two draws, but they only have one win away from home with seven losses and two draws. So if they manage to to mature a little bit uh, away from home, manage to get a couple more good results, change some of those losses to wins, I think Lille will uh, will manage to pass um, one or two teams. I, However, I do expect them to eventually get passed by by at least Monaco and potentially even uh, Lyon. So we'll see if they manage to to go up in the table. Uh, I'll give you my my predictions for the end of the season in terms of my top five later. Um, then we'll talk about about Lyon a little bit if we go down the table. Um, they've been they've been disappointing. I mean, them and Monaco should really be competing for second place in terms of budget and talent. They they're better than Marseille. I mean. Most uh, mostly one audience members or experts will tell you that they'll tell you that that Lyon and Monaco have more talent and and more budget than Marseille, but they're just they're just underperforming. I think one of the biggest mistakes for Lyon was was firing their their old coach and actually hiring Rudy Garcia, which is the old Marseille coach with whom Marseille struggled. And I think the the Lyon owner made a mistake and he even admitted that he should not have fired their ex-coach and that it, it was a mistake so now on top of uh on top of bad results they're facing some injuries such as uh, i believe Depay is injured and that's just gonna cost the team a lot those are some some quality players i do expect Lyon to 
catch a couple teams. They're only seven points away from Wren with, in third. So they, they can they can move up the table as long as they, they pick up their consistency and play a little bit better. However, I actually expect them to be passed by Monaco, who is currently in ninth. Um, the reason they're in ninth is they've conceded 33 goals in 20 games. Yep, 33 goals. They actually have the second best attack behind PSG, just in terms of goals scored. But only three teams in League One have conceded more than Monaco. So really, <laughs> if they don't improve their defense, it's going to be difficult. But there have been signs demonstrating that their their defense is actually getting better they're probably going to concede a lot less goals in the second half of the season and and probably score even more. I mean, Ben Yedder is a goal-scoring machine. Um, he is the top goal scorer in League One right now, if I'm not mistaken, and he's just going to continue to, to knock them in. I mean, when you watch him play, it's, it's, it's crazy how, how smooth he is, the runs he makes, his vision on the ball and off the ball especially. Uh, he hasn't been able to do that for France quite yet, um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, if he earns a spot in the regular starting lineup based on uh, on Giroud kind of uh, losing some playing time. So Ben Yedder, really player to watch out for in the second half of the season. I think he's going to keep keep putting them in the back of the net, and I think he's going to bring Monaco all the way back up to third. I think my my predictions have changed a little bit. At the start of the season, I had PSG first, Marseille second, Lyon third, Lille fourth, and Monaco fifth. I'm going to change those up slightly. I'm actually going to bring Monaco up to third, and then I think I'm just going to push Lyon and Lille down. I think it'll be PSG, Marseille, Monaco, Lyon, and Lille. I think if you want to put Rennes in there, Instead of maybe Lyon or Lille, that's fine. Um, I think Rennes can hold on. But I do expect teams such as Nantes and Montpellier, who are fighting a little bit in there, to, to drop a little bit. So I would, uh, I would go with PSG, Marseille, Monaco, Lyon, and Lille. And yeah, I think, uh, I think we definitely have an interesting second half of League One to come. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see who finishes top three, because those are the Champions League spots. And then who gets fourth and fifth for Europa League? I think teams are going to be fighting uh, tooth and nail to to get those spots because they mean so much in terms of budget, f- especially for League One teams that don't have as big TV t- deals as the uh, as the English Premier League. So uh, interesting second half of the season to come, and uh, stay tuned. And welcome to part two of the podcast. In part two, we're just going to be talking about some of the action from over the weekend, as well as some brief transfer news at the end. The first game to address is obviously Liverpool versus Manchester United. Uh, I actually had the chance to watch this game, uh, and it was a, an excellent game, really. Um, the scoreline was only 2-0, but it could have been a lot, lot more. Uh, Liverpool was, uh, was very solid. Very good performance. I think this game really just showed Liverpool's mental strength because they had chances to put more away and they didn't. But Manchester United also had some chances, and uh, Liverpool was was strong. They they did the job when they had to, and uh, 
you could you could feel the the tension in the stadium almost. It was it was interesting because based on the the lead Liverpool has like on the table and all that, it's not that important if they if they tie. But you felt the emotion was was something different, um, especially when when Pereira could have equalized. It was the the mood kind of kind of shifted, and I think Liverpool holding on and uh, going on to score the second really just shows their mental strength. It shows that they uh, they really built like champions right now. Like it's uh, it's it's easy to say now that they they have such a big lead and everything, but but I think winning the title is almost as probably more actually more mentally than it is technical and and physical ability and i think liverpool really demonstrated their mental strength against manchester united um i was actually watching watching the game with some of my friends and and uh and towards the end of the game i i I really felt as though another another goal was coming like it was the 90th minute it was 1-0 liverpool and i told my friend this game is not ending 1-0 it's either ending 1-1 or 2-0 but there's another goal in here somewhere and then manchester united got the corner uh, I think it was 91st or 92nd minute, and I told my friend, "Watch this, Liverpool scoring on the counter." Bam! Next thing you know, corners taken, uh, Mata's offsides, but Allison has the ball. Just lets go of a beautiful punt right in Salah's path, and Salah's strength to keep off the defender. I think it was uh, James coming back uh, was was unbelievable, and he just tucked it in. So I was a uh, I was pretty pleased with that prediction. It was uh, it was a lot better than my Bournemouth prediction from podcast one, because since I predicted that Bournemouth would beat Watford and Norwich and eventually avoid relegation, they have lost both. So they lost to Watford and Norwich, and now they're really looking like they're going down. So that was not a very good prediction for podcast one, but hopefully I'll make up for it with some of my other ones. Other than Liverpool, it was really a weekend of big team, bad result. Chelsea lost to Newcastle, Leicester lost to Burnley, Tottenham tied Watford, City tied Crystal Palace, Arsenal tied Sheffield, and even in other leagues, I mean, Atletico lost 2-0 away from home to, to Ibar, and so they they really let Real Madrid and, and Barcelona increase their lead in, in that league as well, so, so t- some of the bigger teams, some of the, the big Champions League names had a uh, not so great weekends trying to get back into the swing of things here in January, but uh, Real Madrid, on the other hand, had a had a very impressive performance, uh, beating Sevilla. That's a very good result for them. Um, not only did they push Sevilla a little bit further back, but but they stay uh, right on Barcelona, and that's going to be a, that's going to be a great title race down the stretch. It looks like um, Barcelona got got the win, they got the result they needed, but it wasn't uh, exceptional. I think they won one zero, so. Not great, but the impressive performance of the weekend is Haaland. I mean, the Norwegian striker that just signed for Dortmund, crazy, 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 crazy. His first game as a Dortmund player, he comes on at the 56th minute. Dortmund is losing 3-1 to away from home to Osberg, which is a not a bad Bundesliga team. I think they're, they're mid-table, somewhere around 10th, I think. So they're losing three to one, 56 minute, and and uh, Haaland comes on. Three minutes later, I think it was his second touch of the ball, uh, wearing a Dortmund jersey. He scores, three two. 70th minute, Hazard does most of the work. We'll give him that. Even I think he dribbles the goalkeeper eventually, 
But then Haaland is there to finish it. So that's his second goal. It's the 70th minute. And then 79th minute, so a little over 20 minutes after coming on, Haaland scores the hat-trick. I mean, 23 minutes, three shots. He only shot three times, three goals. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. It was insane. And I think the only player to ever score a hat-trick on their debut in the Bundesliga beside Haaland is Aubameyang. And he did it with Dortmund against Osberg, but he didn't do it in 25 minutes. So, I mean, already a crazy coincidence that Aubameyang is the only ever player to do it, and he did it with Dortmund against Osberg, just as just like Haaland. But uh, Haaland only needed 25 minutes, which is absolutely crazy. But uh, just him scoring the hat-trick that quickly has started more, more talk saying that he should have gone to an even bigger club, like a, a Real Madrid should have tried to get him or, or something of that sort. I think for Haaland, this is the, a good move. It's a natural progression to a little bit of a bigger club. Um, and he's going to have ample playing time. He's going to have a little bit more uh, freedom from the fans. Like He's not going to have that much pressure to score right away, even though he clearly has. But I think, I think at some point he's bound to cool off a little bit. He's still very, very, very young. Um, he's, he's under 20. I forgot exactly how old he was. I think, I think he's, he's 18, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, I will actually check my notes on that. Uh, but anyway, he absolutely crazy, um, to, to start your, your Bundesliga debut and score three goals in, in that short a time. He's, uh, he's absolutely crazy. Um, but Dort- going to Dortmund is the right move, in my opinion. He's going to have time to to grow there. Then, finally, I think I want to just address a couple transfers. I mean, there's not much going on thus far. I think we'll see some stuff in the last week of the transfer window. But but for now, I mean, Ashley Young went to Inter, um, which means Maguire is the official captain of Manchester United. Giroud is most likely going to Inter as well. I think that's an interesting move for the wrong reasons because Giroud is going there to get more playing time to play in the Euros for France, but he's going to be stuck behind Lukaku and Martinez who have been playing exceptional football at Inter. So I don't see how he's going to get more playing time and I don't think that's going to work for him. But the biggest transfer news came today. Uh, Renier Jesus, the Brazilian teenager uh, who plays for Flamingo, has signed for Real Madrid. For 35 million euros, which I think is his release clause. But he just came onto the scene. He has uh, played 14 games for Flamengo and scored 8 goals since his professional debut in July. So really, really young player. Could be interesting. To be honest, I haven't seen much from him. Uh, it could be, it could turn out to be something like, like Vinicius, where it's going to take some time. Um, I don't think he's ready to, to jump onto the scene right now, but but probably a good investment for, for 35 million euros. That may sound like a lot, but in today's market, it's actually probably not that much. But yeah, that's pretty much everything I wanted to address in today's podcast. So thank you just for sticking to the end. I realize it's not really shorter than the last one, so I will try my best to make the next one shorter. But I hope it was enjoyable anyway, and I hope you stick around for podcast three that's to come. Bye-bye. <laughs>